You're listening to another episode of Living Well with Eisenhower Health. Healthcare as it should be. Here's Bill Klaproth. Of all cancers affecting both men and women, colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of death from cancer in the United States. Here to talk with us about the importance of screening for colorectal cancer is Dr. Scott Gehring, Vice President of Surgical Services and a board-certified colorectal surgeon, and Dr. James Conti, a board-certified gastroenterologist, both with Eisenhower Health. Dr. Gehring and Dr. Conti, thanks for your time. Dr. Conti, let's start with you. Guidelines for colon cancer screening say we should start having colonoscopies when we're 50 unless we're at high risk for colon cancer. How does someone know if they're at high risk? Uh, Typically, high risk is based on uh, two things. One, we look at individuals' family members who have already undergone colon cancer screening uh, by colonoscopy. So if you have a sibling uh, who's undergone a colonoscopy and they've been diagnosed with a colon cancer, or if you have another first-degree relative, such as a parent, uh, that also has colon cancer diagnosis. Uh, typically, if they were diagnosed with colon cancer, that puts you in the higher risk category. Uh, and based on the age of their diagnosis is when we determine when their uh, the person screening examination should start. Uh, typically, we're going 10 years earlier uh, than the age of diagnosis. So if someone was actually diagnosed under the age of 60, uh, we would be starting earlier than the age 50 uh, for their initial first screening examination. Uh, other things that could potentially put you into the high-risk category is having certain gastrointestinal diseases. Um, these are typically uh, patients who have chronic inflammatory bowel disease. Um, they are considered in the higher-risk category. And once they've had that disease established, such as Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, for a period of eight years or more, uh, we are starting to do um, screening examinations on them in the high-risk category. And those are typically set uh, at three-year intervals. Uh, but that is reserved if you only if you have that disease process. Gotcha. Good information. And Dr. Gehring, when people have colonoscopies, they're told if polyps are found. Can you explain what a polyp is and why it's important that they're found and removed? Yeah, a polyp is simply a, an abnormal growth of, of normal lining tissue of the colon. Uh, these polyps, as they're called, um, are typically adenomatous polyps. Uh, those are the ones we worry about. These are precancerous polyps. They are benign, but they also have a, a propensity to turn into cancers over a period of time. We typically think of uh, five to 10 years from a polyp to a cancer. And removing those polyps prevents you from developing colon cancer. So, you know, the, the fact that they have people have polyps, if we can remove them, we can actually impact the incidence of colon cancer. We can theoretically prevent most colon cancers from developing if we're uh, screening and and removing appropriately. And Dr. Conti, so if they are found, they are removed immediately, is that correct? Typically, that is the case. Um, Obviously, it's a judgment call at the time when we're seeing uh, the colon polyp during the colonoscopy procedure, if we think it's safe to remove it at that time. Uh, they are removed at the time of the actual colonoscopy. Occasionally, we do come in contact with larger polyps that may require uh, a more set time for the uh, actual polyp to be removed or even a surgical removal of the polyp. Uh, And then sometimes just a biopsy is performed. But majority of the time, the polyp is able to be resected and removed. And that's really the whole purpose is to identify those precancers, as Dr. Gehring was mentioning, and by removing them, hopefully not only identifying the patient as a higher-risk patient, uh, but also preventing cancer from forming in that patient. Um, so typically, following that, um, 
they don't necessarily have screening exams anymore. Those patients, I tell them, you're not in this general screening pool anymore. You're now a surveillance patient, um, which is important to convey that to the patient that they understand that it's important now that we've identified them as a high-risk patient that makes colon polyps, that we want to do our surveillance intervals. Typically, it's done at five years, um, depending on the type and size and pathology uh, that the pathologist gives us will determine the actual uh, specific surveillance uh, interval. So those patients then require more follow-up or additional frequent screenings. And Dr. Gehring, we're usually told then if you have a good outcome on your colonoscopy, you won't have the next one for 10 years. Is there a point when people can stop having colonoscopies? Do we effectively age out of colonoscopies at any point? Yeah, sure. Uh, Again, uh, this is the distinction Dr. Conti was trying to make is that there's really two groups of people. There's people that make polyps and people that don't. Those people that don't are in the screening group typically, and that's the point of doing a colonoscopy at age 50 and then every 10 years thereafter. If, if in fact, you, you have a colonoscopy at age 50 and 60 and 70 and all of those are negative and you've never had a polyp and you have no family history, you've essentially sort of aged out of needing to do further screening. You just don't have the genetics or the exposures in your lifetime that it may turn you into a polyp maker, if you will. The other group, however, is, is quite different, and it's, it's, as Dr. Conti mentioned, it is a surveillance group. You found that you, this is the whole point of doing the screening program in the first place. We have found somebody that makes polyps, and in that case, we need to do more frequent colonoscopies. And that frequency of colonoscopy, as Dr. Conti was mentioning, is really focused on how many polyps did we find? How big are they? How good of look did the colonoscopist get? How good was the prep? How confident is he cleared the colon? So all of those things factor into the interval in which you do the next colonoscopy. And it's anywhere from a year to five years. I would say that most people that make polyps uh, my typical routine is to tell them, you're a polyp maker, you're in their surveillance group, and you should never go more than five years as long as you're healthy enough to do the bowel prep. Now, when when does that stop? Well, at some point, your 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 other comorbidities add up to the point where you can't tolerate the bowel prep and your life expectancy at that point is fairly short and you should probably stop colonoscopies. But uh, I have plenty of 90-year-olds getting colonoscopies because they have a history of polyps and, and we're still preventing colon cancer and they, they proceed on. That's really good. Very easy to understand. The screening group and the surveillance group. So when you explain it like that, uh, I totally get it. And being a polyp maker and not being a polyp maker. And Dr. Conti, everyone gets anxious about the pre-colonoscopy prep. That's what I hear all the time. Oh, the prep. I don't want to go through the prep. So I believe it's changed, though, over the last few years where people drink less of the prep and it's completed in a shorter amount of time. Is that accurate? Has it gotten easier for patients over the years? And why is the PrEP so important? And do people have to do it correctly? Does it affect the screening? Sure. I I don't want to set the expectation bar too high. Um, The PrEP is, it still requires, obviously, a lot of going to the bathroom to clean the intestines out effectively. Uh, But the style and, and how we do the bowel PrEP has improved somewhat over the years. Uh, typically, a lot of gastroenterologists are using lower volume preps. Uh, the older prep was a gallon of solution that would had to be drank the night before, and it was it was 
quite unpalatable from what patients' experiences have been. Uh, newer preps are much smaller volume. They attempted to make them taste better. Uh, the actual prep solutions are actually much less. They're, they're sometimes drinking uh, as little as two glasses of prep solution. Uh, and we do split dose prepping. It is also helping improve the quality of the prep, meaning that the patient won't administer all the prep at one time, which is a little more gentler on the GI tract. So the complications of nausea or bloating and sometimes feeling sick to the stomach don't happen as often when we do prepping uh, in that regard. Uh, but ideally, the end result is the most important thing, and it's just making sure that the patients um, have a very clean intestine at the time of the colonoscopy so we can assure that we've seen all the areas that need to be seen and rule out uh, polyps. Um, so you get a better and, but result, it's a case by, right? it's, yeah, Exactly. And it's a case-by-case -case basis. Obviously, there's a lot that factors into picking bowel preps when we do these smaller preps. Uh, it depends on patients' medication, uh, other medical conditions they have, issues related to chronic constipation. And so we have to kind of pick and choose our patients carefully and who can receive some of these other uh, options for bowel prepping, um, as it wasn't the case in the past. Gotcha. I'm raising my hand. I have had a colonoscopy, and I can tell you the prep wasn't that bad. It's better than getting cancer. So get the colonoscopy. <laughs> the prep is not that bad. And Dr. Gary, younger people aren't being screened for colon cancer since guidelines advise waiting until the age of 50. Aside from significant family history, are there signs and symptoms that young patients should look out for or bring to the attention of their primary care doctor? In fact, I've read recently that younger people are getting colon cancer earlier. That's correct. Um, the typical screening age is 50. The American Cancer Society just came out with a recommendation recently that they would like to drop that number to 45. That hasn't been adopted universally yet, but I think we're heading there. Um, the other aspect is, you're right, we don't screen for people under 50 typically. So you've got to be attentive to the the symptoms that sort of uh, uh, potentially precede a colon cancer. Um, the main, the, obviously, the biggest one is rectal bleeding. You know, bleeding with bowel movements and blood in the stool. That those are those are concerning findings. And, and anytime you have that, um, that you you should uh, let your doctor know that's not normal. So we need to get to the bottom of that and what the cause is, and make sure it's not a colon cancer, and that may warrant an earlier colonoscopy. Um, change in bowel habits is a frequent uh, symptom that I see uh, of people that develop colon cancers at younger ages. Uh, the frequency or the, the the character of the bowel movements changed from what it normally was. Uh, unexpected weight loss is occasionally there, and then uh, potentially pain with bowel movements. All of those should raise a flag that hey, there maybe there's something else going on, and you should bring that to the attention of your primary care doctor and decide whether a, a colonoscopy is warranted. All right. Good to know. And Dr. Conti, continuing on talking about younger people, do you have any thoughts about why we might be seeing this increase in younger people? Could it be dietary? Could it be obesity-related? Um, the, the jury really is still out as to the exact cause of colon cancer increase in that that population, um, approximately 40% of the colon cancers diagnosed in patients under the age of 50 are related to hereditary cancer syndromes, um, and it's really trying to figure out what, what is the other 60% related to. Uh, it does seem to be more predominant in Western countries, the United States, Northern, uh, Northern Europe, and certain other countries where they are seeing higher rates of obesity. Uh, and so some of the theories are that it is possibly related to obesity, um, dietary changes or different 
types of foods that people are eating now. Uh, but we really don't have an exact uh, cause as to why this younger population uh, has been increasingly getting colon cancer. They have, through population studies, seen that this has been about a 2% increase per year over the last 10 years. Um, but it's still the smallest demographic of all colon cancers. But certainly the American Cancer Society is finally paying attention uh, in that regard. And we are probably, in, like Dr. Gehring was saying, heading in the direction of, of pushing the screening guideline down um, to being 45 uh, for all patients uh, at some point. Well, something to watch, certainly, and to keep monitoring. And Dr. Gehring, you get the final word. If you could wrap it up for us, tell us, why is it so important to be screened? It's really simple. You can prevent colon cancer. It's one of the few cancers we can actually prevent through the screening program. So if you're identified early as a polyp maker and you, you are uh, you know attentive to getting regular colonoscopies, as we talked about earlier, you can prevent it. And staying on top of that is important. That's the whole point of, of developing a screening program is finding the high-risk people and then treating them a little bit differently so we can avoid the colon cancers. You know, the vast majority of these colon cancers are completely preventable. Absolutely, Dr. Gehring. And as I say to my friends who don't want to get a colonoscopy, I say you're not allowed to get colon cancer because the screening is so good and this type of cancer is so preventable. Dr. Gehring and Dr. Conti, thank you for your time to find a primary care physician or a gastroenterologist. Call Eisenhower Health Physician Referral Line at 760-568-1234. That's 760-568-1234. This is Living Well with Eisenhower Health. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.